0: It's really a privilege to gather with you all in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ and we commit all of ourselves to Him in this place. We've come out of such a beautiful time of worship and let's just remain in that posture as we go into the Word. Are you ready for the Word this morning? Amen. Amen. It's got a bit of an echo on the mic. Maybe you can sort that out for us. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you today in the magnificent name of Jesus. Lord, we pray today that wherever we find ourselves emotionally, physically, and spiritually, that you would meet us at our very place of need and minister to us with such nearness and such tenderness that we would experience your life-changing power. We submit our ways and our thoughts to you today And we ask that you would refine us and purify us so that we would reflect your glory in all that we do. And may we be Christians that are empowered to advance your kingdom mission in this world. Lord, that our thoughts of you and aspirations to become like you turn into actions that represent you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Church, this morning, we're going to focus on a topic that is integral to what we've been speaking about over the past couple of weeks and months. As you know, we are in the book of Acts as a church, and the theme that has been coming through over the past number of weeks, and even before we began our study in this book, is firstly how Jesus promised that He would build His church, how he prepared the apostles for the coming Holy Spirit and then how they were all filled with the Holy Spirit to establish the church in which he now takes up residence. And as we go deeper and deeper into the book of Acts, we will see how that empowering enables the church to grow and to continue the work of Jesus in the earth until he returns. And we will continue with our study in this book in the the weeks and months to come But today, church, I have felt led to speak specifically on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've had so much mention of the Holy Spirit over the past while, and rightfully so, because He's so amazing. We've been speaking about the promise of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And I think through our Christian journey and maybe through this this time, you may be asking, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a one-time event that you pray for after you're saved? Is it something that you just receive naturally when you're born again? Or is it something that we need continually? And as best as I can, church, that's what I'm hoping to answer for you today. Because I'm sure you've been asking the same question I've been asking. Why is the church of today not walking in the same or similar power that the early church did? And church, this can be somewhat of a controversial topic because even some of the greatest theological minds have had disagreements when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But my main aim through this message today is to try and stay away from interpretation and stick as close as I can to Scripture. And I'm trusting that through this and by this church, we will have a better understanding of what it means to be baptized, to be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's begin looking at that. You'll recall that back in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, he said, For John truly baptized with water, But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This is a reference to what John the Baptist said about Jesus in John chapter 1. It was the testimony of John the Baptist concerning Jesus. Let's read what he said from verse 32. It says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit ascending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So I guess the first question that we have to ask today is, what does it mean that Jesus baptizes with the Spirit? Let's start there. Why did John make this a part of his message? He could have mentioned a hundred other things. Why is this so important? Now, the first thing to notice, church, because it shapes pretty much everything we're going to talk about today, is that John, the writer of the Gospel, sets up a contrast between John the Baptist's baptism with water and Jesus' baptism with the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 31. It says, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. In other words, the reason why I came to this earth, the reason why I came to baptize with water was to reveal the Messiah. Church, John the Baptist was very clear to point out what he was not. He says in the same chapter, I myself did not know him, I'm not the prophet. I'm not Elijah, I'm not the Christ, I'm not the one who who knows it all. He says, I'm just a voice. He even refers to the words of the prophet Isaiah and says, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness to make straight the way of the Lord. I'm just a baptizer with water. But the one who is coming is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit john gives witness to how this is all fulfilled when when jesus arrives and says the spirit came like a dove and rested on him and remained upon him like a dove why a dove you may ask well church a dove according to leviticus chapter 5 verse 7 was pure and it was for the poor people if they couldn't afford a lamb when they were making an offering So a dove is the symbol of purity. It's a symbol of lowliness and humility, and figuratively speaking, it flies from the heaven and and lands on the earth. And that's why it's chosen as the most suitable symbol of the Holy Spirit. And as we're going to see through the message, the Holy Spirit is the most humble, the most modest, and self-effacing person of the Trinity, He's always moving into the background and putting forward the Father and the Son. So in the scripture, John is stressing that the Holy Spirit came upon and he remained upon Jesus. He stresses this point because it serves the greater point that Jesus is now the one who can baptize with the Holy Spirit. And what that essentially means is that when the Holy Spirit baptizes anyone, it's coming from Jesus. And church, did you know that this was prophesied in the Old Testament? It says in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God was promised to be on the Messiah. And when the Messiah came to bring in the days of the Messiah and the kingdom of God in the new age, the Spirit would come upon God's people in a powerful way. Let me give you some verses to support that. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1 says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights, I have put my Spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. And then the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on God's people in Joel chapter 2, which we, we covered last week. At church, what this means is that from the point that Jesus became a man and fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies, from that point, he now has the authority to baptize all believers in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come to people. The Holy Spirit will come to you and to me through Jesus Christ alone. You want the Spirit? You go to Jesus. You want power? You go to Jesus. You want relief from your burdens by the Spirit? You go to Jesus. You see, Jesus takes away sin, and because He takes away sin, we now may be treated with His glorious mercy and receive the gift of the Spirit. That's the first thing. Jesus is the only means by which the Spirit is given to us. Number two, it means that Jesus immerses his people in the Spirit because that's what the word baptize means. It means to be dipped. It means to be immersed and plunged into the Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is also poured out on us. So you could say that the Holy Spirit is poured out so fully that we are enveloped in the Spirit. The Spirit is poured out and swallows us up in such a way that we are immersed in Him. It's the picture of being plunged into a lake of water and you are now enveloped and immersed by the water, or in this case, by the Spirit. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And church, it's at this point where I think people become a little unstuck a little stuck on whether or not the baptism with the Spirit is a second particular event of the Christian life marked by speaking in tongues, or is it the first decisive work of the Spirit which is synonymous with regeneration at the time we're born again? Should we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit after we've been saved? Should we pray for it continually? Or have we already received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the time we are saved? And look, there's quite a bit of confusion around this, as I said, and this is where a lot of debating takes place between the charismatics and perhaps the more conservative beliefs. And we could strike a debate here this morning on the subject. We could do that. But if we take our guidance from the gospel of John, which I want to do today, I don't think John would want us to do that. I don't think he would want us to pose that question here. Because I don't think in John's thinking, baptism in the Holy Spirit refers to any particular point in the Christian life. It doesn't say that it happens here, or it must happen there, or it should happen here. For the Apostle John, baptism with the Spirit is a broad general statement about the activity of Jesus in plunging us into the fullness of the Spirit in whatever measure at any point in our lives. Which is why I believe that we should pray for it continually. But let's just listen to how John thinks about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you can decide whether you want to pray for it or not. Before we get into some of the scriptures, just to shape our thinking here at church, let me give you some examples of what I think John means. First example... If you're in the service here today and you are not a born-again believer, right, you don't believe in Jesus. One way to describe what you need right now is you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that is that you need to be plunged by Christ, seeing Him and coming to Him. Plunged by Him into a power called the person of the Holy Spirit. What you need is to be plunged into him in such a way that what you need is to be plunged you are awakened from the dead made to be a believer and a receiver of jesus and given eyes to see and that happens by this amazing life-changing connection with the holy spirit given by jesus christ the baptizer or second example if you are a born again believer in the service today but you are suffering and battling in a season of weakness and fear and defeat and anxiety, one way to describe what you need right now is you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That is, you need a fuller, a richer, a deep and strong experience of the Holy Spirit enveloping you, destroying all that fear, destroying all that doubt and anxiety, so that you can become all that God has called you to be. So, church, don't get caught in a pickle with this term baptism in the Holy Spirit as if you should only pray for it once and that's the last time that you ever have to or you need to. Church, we need it all the time. We need it all the time in greater measures or in renewed measures. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with wine. And in the Greek language, when it says be filled, it actually means being filled continually with the Spirit. That's what it means. You see, it's not just a one-time experience. It's a process of continually being filled and being controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to have a look at four things that I think John, the writer of the gospel, means when he refers to the statement from John the Baptist, when he says that Jesus is going to baptize his people with the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit church gives new life. He gives new life. This is what John chapter 6 verse 63 says. It says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they Are life. So, church, dead people need the Spirit to come alive. And I think John, in his wisdom, would say when a person comes to Jesus in his great sovereign mercy, he wraps them into the Holy Spirit. He plunges them into the Holy Spirit, and they live in a life giving ocean of grace and power. They come alive. In John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And three verses later in verse six, it says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, church, my spirit is dead until the spirit of God makes me alive, and then I am a spiritual person. So, What must happen is a baptism into the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we stay dead. If I don't receive the Spirit of God in my life, I'm a dead man walking. That's the truth. Number two, the Holy Spirit makes us not just life-getters, but life-givers. The Holy Spirit is given to us. We are baptized In the Spirit, we are plunged into the Spirit so that, number one, we will be life-getters, we come alive, and number two, we will be life-givers. And you know where I'm going with this, right? John chapter 7, verse 38 says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. The Spirit is poured out. We are enveloped in Him in such a way that He becomes life to our dead souls. And one of the effects of that new life is that a river begins to flow out of us. And church, the reason I think that we need to pray for this continually is related to a question that I want to ask you. How is your river flowing? Is it flowing or is it just a little trickle, drip Drip, drip. Are people able to take something from your spiritual life, but there's still lots of grumbling, there's, there's murmuring, there's still a lot of hurtfulness, and your life feels more like a little trickle than a river of life. And you don't like that, do you? I know I don't like it when I feel that way. And did you know that's one of the evidences of being born again? You don't like that. Because you know there's more to this, this Christian life. And church, when I was thinking about this, turn around begins when you and I get on our knees and we pray and say, Lord, with all that I have, I want more. I want more. I want more of your baptizing power. I want to be enveloped more fully. I want you to ooze into me in more places. I want to be permeated more profoundly and more deeply by you. And church, that's why I think that we need to break out of our categories that say, here's the place that we baptize or, or here's the place we baptized. Because what are you doing after that? Are you living on your own? Have you got everything you need after one-time prayer? No. Every day could be a fuller day. Every day could be a more deeply immersed day. A more fully impactful day. So when we're plunged into the Spirit, we not only become life-getters, we become life-givers. A river goes out of us, and that river is big or small, depending on how it's flowing. Number three, the Holy Spirit witnesses to Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 15, verse 26 with me. But when the Helper comes... Whom I shall send, remember, Jesus is the giver, whom I shall send, remember, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. One of the most important experiences of your life is the internal witness of the Holy Spirit. Because the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit, in which he bears witness with our spirit, is constantly saying, Jesus is is Lord. You know what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3 says, right? It says, Therefore I make known to you that no one, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That's how we know He's at work in so many of our lives. Because from our hearts, Not just intellectually, not just mechanically. From our heart, we are saying that He is Lord. Jesus is Lord of my life. And yes, I'm stumbling. Yes, I'm I'm messing up here and there. But I'm coming back over and over again because I have no other Lord before Jesus Christ. He's mine. You can't be that way without the Holy Spirit, says the Apostle Paul. So one of the things I know that the Holy Spirit does when He comes over us and takes us up in Himself is witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He assures your conscience that Jesus is your King, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is true, that Jesus is more precious than your earthly possessions. He's more precious than than your vanity and things like pornography or other sexual immoralities. And that's the Holy Spirit that gives you that deep conviction. That's number three. Number four, the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus Christ. It says in John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak On his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Church, if we have a weak view of Jesus right now, if you have a dim view of Jesus, if you come to church and it does absolutely nothing for you. If you read your Bible, you're reading one of the Gospels, and you get nothing from it. You'd rather be in your cell phone. You'd rather be watching television or doing something else. You need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized afresh and more deeply. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that this act of Jesus immersing us should happen continually for believers. Because we need some form of power beyond ourselves working in us to glorify Jesus in our hearts. The Holy Spirit in us glorifies Jesus. He makes Jesus look great to the human heart. Come on. That's what the glorified Jesus inside of you means. Your heart, because of the work of the Spirit, sees Christ as magnificent. Is He magnificent? And why do we need that, church? Why do we need that? Because when we see him as magnificent, the world's magnificences fade away. And in the process, we are sanctified, we are made more holy. Because we see Jesus as of superior worth, superior value, beauty, and power. And everything in the world loses its power. Because the Holy Spirit is opening our eyes to see the glory of Christ. And it changes the way that you think. And you start to think, why would I need any of that other junk anyway? When we are baptized in the Spirit, the first time, continually after that, and in extraordinary ways, in all that continual work, Christ is made to be glorious in our eyes. So when John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, I baptize with mere water, but he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Church, why is this mainly a tribute to the glory of Christ rather than a tribute to the glory of the Spirit? In other words, why didn't Jesus just point us to the Holy Spirit and then, and then get out the way? Because the ultimate meaning of being the one who baptizes in the Spirit is that he gives the Spirit so that the heart will glorify Jesus. Jesus is both the ground of our getting the Spirit, he takes away our sin and removes the wrath of God, so that in his mercy the Spirit can be poured out on us. He's the ground of it, he's the the giver of it. And secondly, as we read in the book of John, when we are baptized with the Spirit, The effect of this is to send all the attention back to Jesus. He's the goal. So he's the ground of our being baptized with the Spirit, and he's the goal of our being baptized with the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, being God, has in his wisdom and providence become the one who directs all the attention back to the Son. So that our conscious thinking is, I'm not going to the Spirit I'm going to the Spirit. I just need the Spirit. Rather, I'm coming to Jesus. I'm coming to the Son. He baptizes me, and when He baptizes me, my eyes are open, and I see the glory, and I'm running all the more to Jesus. So that's why it is a tribute to the Lord, to our Savior, because He's not only the ground of the baptism of the Spirit, He's also the goal of it. And church, can you see how it all ties back? Can you see how it's all about Jesus? Yes, the Spirit is precious. Yes, the Spirit is amazing. Yes, the Spirit of God is God and a person. But functionally, the way that the Holy Spirit works is not to attract attention to Himself, but to attract attention to the Savior. So the ultimate purpose of John's testimony is that under God the Father, all things are from Christ, and all things are for Christ, including the Holy Spirit. All things under the Father are from Christ, I will send the Helper. And all things are for Christ, the Helper will glorify me. And church, the main reason that we as a church and a people need the baptism of the Holy Spirit This great outpouring of the Spirit and His great immersion enveloping every part of our lives is because truthfully, we're not always doing very well, are we? I mean, currently, is every part of your life being affected by the Holy Spirit? Or let me put it like this. Is every part of your life devoted to magnifying Christ? Is the way you use every part of your life making jesus look good because that would be the case if the holy spirit had total control and total immersion of your life and look none of us are there yet i'm sure not there we're on a journey but i believe our desire levels need to increase we need to have a greater desire and we need to say i want as much of the holy spirit as i can contain I want to glorify Jesus to the point that out of my life, rivers will flow. Rivers of of joy and and hope and truth and life and power will flow out of truth and life and enemy. Waters that will transform the only true God. Waters that will heal the sick and the brokenhearted. Waters that will cleanse all the darkness left by previous generations. Waters that will wash Away the filth that the enemy has smeared our lives with. Waters that will flow out of us until our very last day on this earth. And not just a trickle. It must be like Niagara Falls, right? Church, today we are going to pray that we will be baptized with the Holy Spirit so that we can start this journey of continually being filled So that our river is flowing with intensity. intensity. So whether you're a first-time believer today, you're an old believer, or someone who just needs more of the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray that God would do this for us continually and do this for us in extraordinary ways according to His will and to His purpose. I'm going to close my message in prayer and, and then we'll hand over to the facilitators in each campus. And I just want to ask everyone in all the campuses today, if we could please stand to your feet. If you could bow your heads and just have a posture of anticipation. And let the desire in you this morning start to increase. Feel the desire inside of your building. saying, Lord, I I want more. I know there's more to this life. I want more of you. I want more of your spirit. I want to be the son. I want to be the daughter that you've called me to be. I want all of you so that I can represent you the way that you deserve. Lord Jesus, you are the one that takes away the sin of the world. And when you take our sins away, you come by the Holy Spirit and we are baptized into a reality that we never thought we could know. The knowledge, trust, love, enjoyment and fulfillment of the risen Christ is all embodied in you. And we long today for a fuller baptism of your Spirit. So I'm praying right now that on all our campuses that you would come. That you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit in deeper, fuller, and more powerful ways. And that today people would be liberated from long-term bondages, from carnality, from fleshliness, indifference, weakness, defeat, anxiety, and discouragement. And find themselves riding up on the tide of the Holy Spirit of God. The tide of your powerful presence. Lord, let us not be afraid that you might do a transforming work so significant that some people would not recognize the way we talk or the way that we act. We ask that today, let it be so according to your will. We pray this in the all-powerful and baptizing name of Jesus. And everybody said. Thank you, Lord Jesus.